Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. All right, I'm going to preach in a minute. I won't preach real long because I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. I, I, well, I may preach long, I don't know. I won't, I promise. We're going to eat some food in here later, and uh, we're going to have a great time, so I won't be real long. But I want to say something to you before I get into the message this morning. Um, a terrible, terrible tragedy that happened in Pittsburgh, and just one of the many tragedies that happened in our country with these mass shootings. And uh, again, yesterday with 11 people dead. And, and let me just remind you as people of God, you are a people of the kingdom. You are God's people first. You are kingdom first. You are not Democrat first, Republican first, American first. You are kingdom of God first. And, and it amazes me. It amazed me yesterday that I saw the shooting that happened at roughly at 10 o'clock in the morning. And roughly by 1 o'clock that afternoon, three hours later, a pastor whom I know, a friend, I would call a friend, but I would also say this to him, so don't think I'm, you know, less than, like three hours after 11 people are dead, people are shot, is posting about Cain killing Abel with a rock to defend gun control. Can I just say this? It's not the time. Be quiet. Be quiet. It's not the time. Now is not the time to cast blame. We know we're blameless. You say, well, pastor, where do you stand? Listen, I understand the argument. I am, not a, I am not for the gun control that some people want. I will say this. A conversation has to be had to do something about some things. But it's not a time to cast blame. It's not a time to argue. It's not a time to return for tit for tat, even though the other side might be saying and using it as a political agenda. Our agenda is to reveal the kingdom of God and the love of God and the love of Christ. That is our agenda. To, all right, it's not a time to win the argument. Now is the time to love. There'll be a time to have the conversation. Just not now. We've got to mourn together. We've got to mourn together. Eleven families are devastated. Just devastated. They went to a worship service and lost family members. It's not the time to enter into a political debate. It's now is the time to love. Now is the time to cry. Now is the time to weep together. Now is the time to grieve together. Now is the time to help, to listen, but not listen to have a response, just to listen. Now is the time to comfort. Can I implore you, people of God, that in this hour, don't engage in the rhetoric that the enemy wants to spew. Remember years ago, I did a thing, don't feed the animal. Don't feed the animal that's trying to destroy this country and destroy you. Now is not the time. Now is the time to reveal a kingdom not of this world. Now is the time to reveal a culture not of this world. Now is the time. We'll have the discussion later, but not now. Amen? Well, all right. I'm going to be, I'm going to really go fast. I'm telling you, okay? Everybody buckle your seatbelt. Let's go. Last week I talked to you about Jedediah rising. And um, it's all about the story of Solomon and how he was born with a backstory. And yet that name Jedediah, beloved by God, meant so much to David, who had made messes and mistakes, who meant so much to Jedediah himself, Solomon, born with a backstory, and God saying, I love you. And then we talked about how last week it was David had raised up a priest and a prophet and a protector to establish the reign of Solomon. And, and I want to say to you this morning that I want to remind you that you and I, people of God, have still been called to be the prophet, priest, and kings, prophet, priest, and protectors of a generation to rise them up to their royal appointment. How many know there's a royal appointment on a generation? How many know there's a royal appointment on all of our lives? How many know we're all Jedediahs? 
Every one of us were born with a backstory. Every one of us were born into sin. Every one of us have been born with a backstory. But that's not what I want to talk to you about. So what happened was last week I had a couple conversations with some people. And this was the question that came out of some of those conversations. The question was, how can God love me? How can he love me after the things I've done? How can he love me after all the things I've done? How can he love me for all the rotten things I've done? Has anybody ever questioned that? Hmm? How can he do that? So I want to talk to you, and this is what we're going to end up today, is how can he not? You see, it's my premise this morning that the question should not be, how can God love me? But the question should be, how can he not love me? How can he not love me? How many know God can't help himself? How many times have you ever been incredibly angry with a child? Anybody? The rest of you all had perfect children like Jesus. Like, like you were just so angry with them. And yet you could not help but continue to love them, right? I want to talk to you for a few moments about this. Let me read a couple of verses out of, out of 1 Kings 3 as an introduction, then we'll get into this. So the Bible says in um, verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 3, it says, Now Solomon loved the Lord. Listen to me. How many of you love the man's love? God's love for Jedediah. Now watch this. The scripture says that he loved God. Walked in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. If you move on down in verse 6, it says, Solomon said to God, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on the throne to this day. Isn't it amazing? When you read that portion of scripture, Solomon viewed his royal appointment to the throne as an expression of God's love to David. His whole life is like, I'm on the throne. I'm sitting on this throne. I have a royal appointment because God loved my father so much that he blessed me. Do do you understand this morning? Listen to me. Hear me out this morning. I think that you can get a principle from here. I believe that you, mom and dad, can love God so much that he brings a royal appointment into your kids' lives. That you can sow seeds that your sons and daughters receive a blessing from God that is an expression of love to you. I know there are good things that have happened in my life that are an expression of my, God's love for my mother and for the fact she didn't kill me. I want to, listen to me, if I can encourage you something this morning, live your life in such a way that God demonstrates his love for you to your sons and daughters. What a cool principle, huh? All right, but I'm not preaching on that. But what I want to preach on is this whole thing about how could God love me? How can he love me after all I've done? The question is faulty. You see, because why is the question faulty? Because the premise is faulty. The assumption is faulty. The assumption that goes along with the question is that God is a conditional lover. You see, I'm asking a question based upon my assumption that God must be a conditional lover because how could he love me after all that I've done? The fault is assuming God is someone who can only love if you do all the right things. The problem is that you've made you and your actions 
the basis upon which God would love you. That you, you've made you and your actions the basis upon which God would love you. The reason God loves you is because God is love. First of all, how many know he just can't help himself? That God is love, all right? The reason God loves you is because God loves his creation. He loves his people. Now listen to me. I'm going to take you through a little journey this morning, and we're going to go on a fast journey. Everybody say amen. The fast is relative, right? I mean, how fast is relative. Like, you know, running a 4, 8, 40 is pretty fast. Two year ever gets a guy running a 4, 3, 40, right? Let me take you to the most basic scripture. I'm going I'm to take us on a little journey. And I'll start with the most basic scripture that we all learned since childhood. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, notice what this says. For God so loved the world. It does not say for God so loved believers. It does not say for God so loved the church. For God so loved those who did what's right. No, no, it says for God so loved the world. When did God love the world? When did God, when did that love for the world begin? Did it begin at Calvary? I would suggest no. What, did it begin with the giving of Jesus to the world? No. When did, I would suggest that God's love for the world began in the heart of God. How, how many of you know this morning, how many of you women, because I can't talk to men about this, but how many of you ladies loved your child from conception? Yeah, look at that. From the conception, before that child ever did right or wrong, before it ever was born, before it ever screamed for food, before it ever laughed for joy, there was a love in your heart for that child from creation, from the moment of conception. As a matter of fact, some of you even loved your child even before it was conceived, that there was an idea and a notion in you, all right? Now, I want to show you something. I'm going to take you to a scripture in, the, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says this, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Next verse, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and roll over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed that shall become food for you. Last verse. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, let me start here for a moment. In this portion of Scripture, there is, I believe, a number of expressions of God's love towards humanity. Okay? That in this, God created this people. He created humanity. He created the world. And he did this from his heart. And he has this creation that he's birthing and he's in love with. Now, let me say this to you, all right? I'm going to start with here. First of all, understand this. The creation of humanity was from an expression of love. Children come when two people get married, fall in love, and then out of the expression of that love, fruit is created. Now, I know it happens outside of marriage. I know all that. But I'm telling you that God's ideal plan, okay? That when you, out of your love relationship came together out of that, birthed something that you love, your children. What happens? From the moment you birth that child, 
There's expressions of love that you pour into their life. And these expressions are something I want you to see in Genesis because it's going to take us to where we are today, which how can God love me? The first thing you do is with expression of love is you give that child an identity. How many of you named your child in the hospital? Right? You, how, many, how many of you pondered over that name for months? Like you're looking up there. How many of you fought over the name of that child? <laughs> okay. That's a lie. All right. But you gave this child, as an expression of your love, an identity. Listen to me this morning. One of the greatest expressions of love you ever give your child is a sense of identity. That they know who they are, they know whose they are, they know their love. And I'm going to say this to you, that we as the body of Christ must give a generation today a sense of identity because there's a whole lot of orphan spirits in the world. And we must give them a source of identity that you, you... The devil may say you're this, but I tell you who you are. I tell you who are, you are in Christ. I tell you who you are in God. I tell you who you are. All right? So you, out of an expression of love, you give your child your identity. The Bible says that God created them in his image. Right? Now, the rest of my life, this is what I know. I've been created in the image of God. When you don't give your child an identity, you're not loving your child. When you won't give them your name, you're saying, I don't want to be associated with you. God's expression of love was, I am identifying with you and giving you my identity. So first of all, understand this. Long before you ever breathed, God created you in his image and gave you identity. The second thing was, the Bible says, that he blessed them. How many of you bless your children because you love them? Okay, I'm switching messages now. <laughs> you, you bless them. Okay, listen to me. And now the blessing is more than giving them things. This word blessing in there means to empower them. How many of you empower your children? That you empower them, you bless them, you make them capable. You're doing things in their life. God, out of the expression of his love, creates a humanity that he creates in his image. He gives to them the identity, and then he says, now I'm going to empower you to become everything that I have created you to be. It's an expression of love. The third thing, see how fast we're going? Don't worry, it'll slow down. So he empowers them, or he he creates them, he gives them identity, he gives them blessing, and then he provides for them. Okay, I don't need to ask a question, how many of you provide for your children? But you provide for your children. If you don't provide for your children, shame on you. Okay, and why do you provide for your children? Because you love them. All right, the God says what? I have given you everything you need. I have given you every plant yielding seed on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit. I, I don't really like this scripture. I wish in this scripture it said, I have given you every cow and every pig. <laughs> I mean, oh, just, yeah, Lindsay's back there. Yeah, that's okay. Listen to me. How many know that before the fall, I don't think we ate a whole lot of meat? But that's neither here nor there. I have given you everything that you need in this garden, everything that was good. I have provided for you. So listen to me this morning. So God, at creation, gives an identity. He gives a blessing, and he gives provision. And all of this is flowing from the heart of God, the love of God. Then he goes here, protects them. I mean, no, you protect what you love. You protect your kids. You protect your wife. You protect your money. You might protect the dogs. 
but you protect what you love. You, I mean, there's a lot of people in the self-protection. Because mm-hmm. they love themselves more than others. But the fact is, you will protect what you love. God says, I'm going to protect you. How did God protect his creation? How do you protect your children? Out of your love, how did you protect them? Of course, there's the things you protect them against that would destroy them. But how many know you also put a list of prohibitions in their life in order to protect them? You tell them what you can't do, what you can't have. Because I love you, the answer is no. Because I love you, you can't play with the gun tonight. Because I love you, you can't have the keys to the car at 6. Because I love you, you can't, no, you can't go out to the party till 3 a.m. this morning. Come on, how many know there's a list of prohibitions? God gave him a prohibition. He said, listen, everything in here I have given, I have provided for you. I love you and everything I have is yours. But from this tree right here, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, you shall not eat from. Don't eat from that tree. This is your protection. Because how many know we did not need the knowledge of evil? Do you know what people do with the knowledge of evil? They take a gun, they walk into a synagogue, and they shoot people. Men and women were not capable of handling the knowledge of evil. Never have been. Every inclination from our heart, from childbirth, the Bible says, is evil. How many of you had to teach your children how to lie? You never had to teach them how to lie. Now, honey, I'm going to sit you down today, and I want to teach you how to lie. Okay, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to sit you down today, and I'm going to teach you how to be selfish. I mean, no, you didn't have to teach them how to get angry. Like, you don't have to teach them things. It's a natural inclination of their heart. You do have to teach them how to share, how to tell the truth. Isn't it amazing? God gives them a sense of protection. I'm going to protect you by putting prohibition in your life so that the things that will destroy you won't destroy you. And if you don't prohibit your children from things, you don't love them. Okay, so you've got an identity out of love. You have blessing out of love. You have provision out of love. You have protection out of love. But then comes one of these most important things. Freedom. You have to be free to do what you want. You have to be free not to love if you're going to love. I cannot love you if I am not free not to love you. I just can't. I have to have the ability and the freedom to look at you and say, no, I'm not loving you for my love to mean anything. If I have no choice, it means nothing. If Penny put a computer chip in my head, boy, she would sure love to do that. And I had no choice but to love her a certain way and do everything a certain way. And I had no sense of freedom. How many know that would mean nothing? It would mean nothing. So God, he does what? He creates man out of the love of his heart, gives him identity, gives him blessing, gives him provision and protection. And this is now, I'm giving you the greatest expression of my love, which is freedom to say yes or no. Freedom to do it or freedom not to do it. All right? How many know there comes a time in your kids' lives where you've got to give them freedom? Gosh, we hate that. I don't know about you, but it's like, oh. Yeah, okay. How many know you have to give your spouse freedom not to love you? Freedom to walk away. And what did man do with that freedom? Went, very, went and took and broke the very prohibitions God put in their life 
violated the very protection God put in their life. Anybody ever violated the prohibitions your parents put in your life? I know I didn't. And what does God do? What happens? What happens? Then God, out of his love, who gave freedom, then has to bring discipline into their life. Because how many know discipline is an expression of love? If you don't discipline your children, you do not love your children. You're not called to patronize them. You're called to discipline them. All right? The Bible says what? That those who don't discipline are ill, uh, those who aren't disciplined are illegitimate children. And, and so there's a discipline that God brings into their life. And that discipline is what? What did you do? What are you doing? I'm now going to discipline you. And I cannot allow rebellion to go unchecked in your heart. And discipline is always an expression of love. But then, after that, what did God do? Then God provided a covering for them from animal skin. Because how many of you know that when you discipline your child, afterwards, you should bring a sense of covering to their life? I was telling the Wednesday night crew, we were talking about this very subject, and I was telling them that, you know, when Pappy is with the kids, Pappy has fun. We're fun, we're all about fun, we have lots of fun, and we all that. There's a couple things they cannot be. You cannot be a brat. And you cannot lie. And we had a couple little lies going on on Monday. Okay? And, okay? And, and so we're going through the discussion. And, and okay, and so finally, okay, so this one he gets a little swat in the pa- on the rear. And this one gets a little swat in the rear. I know I beat that death out of him. Okay? All right? And, and if some of you don't believe in that, oh, well, it's okay. All right? And I looked at them both, and I said, now let's understand something. You did not get a swat because of what you did. You got a swat because you lied. Had you told me the truth, you would have got no swat. Okay? Now, so I give him a swat, told him that, and then I said, okay, give me a hug. Give up. Happy loves you. Who loves you, baby? Come on, give her. Come her. And then we give him a hug. Because how many know you don't want to leave him in that state? You see how gracious God is? God says, I'm not going to leave you in that state. I'm not going to leave you in that discipline state. Discipline is going to be a part of your life, but I'm going to love you and I'm going to cover you. All right, this is what God has been doing, okay? Now, now, we've got a long ways to go in a short amount of time. So God says, so watch all this. So God says, out of the expression of my love, I'm going to create humanity. And I'm going to give them an identity. And I'm going to bless them. And I'm going to provide for them. And I'm going to protect them. And I'm going to give them freedom to say yes or no or to love me or not love me. And I'm going to bring discipline into their life. And I'm going to cover them. But listen to me. God always had another plan. How many know that plan was redemption? That we're not just covered, but there was a plan of redemption. The reason that you and I are here today is because out of God's great love for humanity, he brought redemption into our lives. Purchased back, bought back, however you want to say it. All right? Listen to the scripture. And when did God do that for us? I'm glad you asked. Long before you attended church. Long before you gave your heart to God. Listen to what the scripture says. Ephesians chapter 2. But God. Everybody say, but God. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. Listen to me. You can't do anything in your life to get God to love you more. You can't do anything in your life to get him to love you less. But do not confuse loving you with being pleased with your actions. I may know I can love my children and not be pleased with their actions. Love does not mean I approve and am pleased with everything you do. 
My son did many heinous things he shouldn't have done with drugs and so forth. And guess what? There was never a day I stopped loving that boy. Never. He could not subtract my love for him. He could make me angry. He could make me disappointed. He could make me perplexed. He could do a lot of things. But he could not make me lose my love for him. I, I, I got to tell you something. You, you got to stop living your life, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you have lived your life with God as if it's a, a, a checkbook. That, oh, I was good today and I made a deposit and God loves me more. Oh, I was rotten today and I made a, I've taken a withdrawal. Deposit, withdrawal, deposit, withdrawal. To all of a sudden, you come to a place where you say, I've made so many withdrawals, God can't love me. It's just not true. And you're living this yo-yo life, up and down. And there's no confidence. There's no foundation that says, no, no, this one thing I know, my God loves me. This one thing I know, come hell or high water, my God loves me. This much I know, I'm loved by God. You see, You ask, how can God love me? I ask, how can he not love you? Think about what he's done. If you you believe the scriptures, if you believe the Bible, and you read what it says that God has done, how can you say God doesn't love you? How can you say he's not loving of you? I'm here today to tell you that God can't not love you. He loved you from the beginning. He loved you before you were on the earth. He loved you before you did right or wrong. He has loved you, okay? And you cannot, you're you're just not that powerful. (laughs) You are just not that powerful that you can cause God not to love you. You don't possess that. You don't have that in you. But I think the question should lead to this question. How do I then love God in return for his love for me? Uh, if God, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm getting this, and I get this picture, that I can't do anything to make God stop loving me. Should not the question then be changed from how can he love me to how can I love God in return for his love for me? How can I return this love? You see, many people think that hell can scare people to leaving a life of sin. It might work for a season. But I want to suggest to you this, that the Bible tells me that God's loving kindness leads me to repentance. What is it that causes me to change my life It's seeing the kindness of God. You remember the story, the woman caught in adultery. She's caught in adultery. She's a sinner. She's wicked. She's evil. She's sinned, right? The religious system wants to set her up, stone her, kill her, destroy her. Okay, they want to use her to get to Jesus. And Jesus writes on the ground, he writes this thing. Whatever he wrote was a new destiny for that woman because the sin, the sin of her brought a destiny of death, but whatever he wrote brought a destiny of grace. How much are you glad he's changed your destiny? But when they all leave and no one's condemned her, he looks and says, where are those who condemn you? She said, I have no one. Neither do I condemn you. Watch. Then go and leave your life of sin. Then go and leave your life of sin. What you got here today, the grace that you got here today, 
the mercy that you got, the love that you got, allow it to be the springboard from which you leave a past life into a new life. I would suggest to you this morning that the flames of hell don't cause us to leave sin. The flames of his love cause us to leave sin. I'm not leaving it because I'm afraid. I'm leaving it because I'm being drawn in. I'm being sucked in. How many of you ever get sucked in by someone? Huh? Peter, come on. Ruth sucked you right in, didn't she? Many years ago. You guys were just off for a week in Mass and Nutting and romancing and rekindling all the flames. You want me to go on? <laughs> Ruth says, shut up, Pastor. Okay? All right? But, but listen, there was a time where you were just drawn to, that you were sucked in. Isn't that what God has done? God wants somebody who's drawn and attracted to him from his love, not because they're afraid of going to hell. Oh, I want to come to you, Jesus, because I don't want to go to hell. Well, that's like saying I want to marry you just so I can have sex. (laughs) Just put it out there. I don't love you. I don't love you. I just want what I want. God's not a prostitute. (laughs) This was not in the notes. (laughs) Because if I had given any thought to this, it would never come out of my mouth. (laughs) Do you understand me this morning? When you are only coming to God just because you want to escape hell and you don't want to love him, you're treating him that way. God says, love me in return. Love me. The Bible says that Solomon loved God and then walked in his commandments. What was that? Solomon was Jedediah, beloved by Yahweh. Since you love me, God, I'm going to love you and I'm going to walk in your ways and I'm going to leave my life of sin. Allow his goodness to draw you in and cause you to leave that life of sin. Okay, I told you I'd hurry. But, you know. But here's the next question I think should pose. It's just how can I love what God loves in return for his love for me? How can I love what God loves? How many know that there comes a place? How, How many of you have ever been married long enough that you've actually come to love something you used to hate because the person you're with actually loves it? I'm still working on it. I still don't like camping. But you've literally come to a place where you're like, you know what? I used to hate this, but now I don't hate it because I, I have come to love it because I love her. I come to love it because I love him. You know, you know the, the, we, we need to be saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now my life needs to be because I know he loves me and I'm sure of his love for me. How can I love what he loves? You know, the Bible says there's a lot of things God loves. How many know he loves, up, he loves righteousness? How many know he loves uprightness? How many know he loves truth? Stop lying. Why? You say, why do I stop lying? Because God loves truth. All right? He's, Proverbs says there's six things that God hates. No, seven. Haughty eyes. God hates pride. He loves humility. Be humble. He says he hates haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. How many know God loves justice? He, he hates a heart that devises wicked plans. He wants a pure heart. 
Feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, one who spreads strife among brothers. I mean, God loves the peacemakers. In other words, what we have to do is out of his love for us, I return my love for him. And one of the ways I do that is saying, how do I love what God loves in return to his love for me? But then the next question is, how can I love who? Who God loves in return for his love for me? Uh Uh-oh. It's easy to love what by that loving who? Because how many know who includes everybody? It includes those you easily love, and it includes your enemy. Love your enemies. Oh, why do I need to love my enemy, God? Because I love them. Because I love them. It's an interesting thing. When God came to Solomon, and said, ask me for anything you want. Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he looks at him and says, God, I'm just a kid. And here I am leading your people. He knew who they were. And I don't know how to lead. And what's important to me is I lead your people correctly. What's important to me is I take care of your people with justice. What's important to me isn't money. What's important to me isn't treasures. What's important to me is what is the apple of your eye, which is your people. And so give me a wise and discerning heart to know how to govern among your people. What was Solomon saying? I believe Solomon saying, listen, I want to protect and provide and lead the people that you love. All right? Listen to me this morning. You have got to fall in love with people like God loves them. Help me. <laughs> And listen to me, stop the justifications. I don't care what they've done to you, and I don't care what they've done to your children. Or your, whatever, I don't care. I understand what it is to hate. Pastor, you never hate anybody one bet. I'll tell you what, you deal with hatred when somebody puts your kid in a river. Just telling you. You'll come to grips with what's in your heart. There'll be times it'll test you what's in your heart. How can I love who he loves in return for his love to me? Your enemy, your wife, your husband, your children. Listen to me this morning. I'm going to be very bold. Some reasons that some of our marriages suffer is because we're, not, we're trying to love our spouses as they loved us, not as God loves them. When we start loving our spouses as God loves them, it's amazing. It's amazing how the relationship will change. That love of God becomes the foundation for which you love him. <coughs> Excuse me. You see, I believe that what you believe about God's love for you is probably how you love others. Let me say that again. What you believe about God's love for you is probably how you love others. If you believe God's love is conditional, there's a good chance you give conditional love. If you believe God's love is unconditional, you'll learn to love unconditionally. If you believe God's love is performance-driven, you'll look for performance to love. I believe that what you believe about God's love for you 
is how you love others. Ouch. But I also believe that what you believe about God's love for you is probably how you receive love from others. They couldn't possibly love me. They couldn't possibly still love me after what I've done. They couldn't possibly love me after that. Really? You see, come on, Troy. (laughs) How many more minutes is that, Karen? Um, Okay, I'll go 18. Just to prove her wrong, I'm going to go 18. What's my message this morning? Some of you left last week's Jedediah Rising message. And the question was, how can he love me? After all that I've done, after all the times I've failed him, after all the stuff. Listen to me. I took you through a journey to show you that you were loved far, far, far before you ever breathed breath. You were loved before you ever did a good thing or a wrong thing. And today... You are the product of God's plan of redemption for our humanity he loved since its creation. And so the question isn't this morning, how can he love me? The question I want you to live with is, how can he not love me? Based upon what I see in Scripture, I know that he has to love me. How can he not love me? God can't help but love me. He is love. Again, don't confuse it with being pleased with everything that comes out of you. (laughs) It just means he still loves you. And because he loves you, he'll deal with the things that come out of you that shouldn't come out. Because he still disciplines. I want you to walk away today. What I want you to walk away with is there's nothing that you've done that can make him stop loving you. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you more. But I want that love to be the very catalyst that sucks you in, that draws you in to saying, you know what? I'm that woman that was caught in adultery. I stood condemned. I was guilty. I deserved what was going to come to me. But I had this amazing, incredible Savior, this incredible, amazing Savior who loved me so much that he took my place so much that the one who could have thrown the stone didn't. As a matter of fact, took the stone for me. And now I'm going to allow it to propel me into this new life that he has for me. I look at scripture and I see all these people that demonstrate God's love. And today, some of you, you're that woman caught in adultery. God says he loves you. And I'm not talking about just the actual adultery itself. You know what it is to have that shame and that condemnation. Some of you, you're the prodigal. You've run away for a season and you're thinking, I can't come back to daddy's house and be a son anymore. I gotta come back as a slave. No, 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 no. Daddy's love, daddy's perfect says, no, no, no. When you come back and you come back with repentance and you come back with everything, I'm not putting, I'm not letting you live as a slave. You're my son. You're my child. You're my one I'm gonna put my coat on. You're the one I'm gonna put my ring on. You're the one I'm gonna put my shoes on. Why? Because you can't stake me. Stop loving you. You can't make me stop loving you. You're the one 
that had the woman with a reputation that came into the Pharisee's house. And the Pharisee didn't understand what was before him. That here was this woman pouring out her worship upon Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You are his Jedediah. You are loved of God. You say, well, some of you say, well, maybe, Pastor, that's just a, God is love. That's just a basic message, really. Everything flows from that foundation. Your life of grace, your life of faith, your life of whatever you want to call it. If it doesn't flow from the love of God, it's on a faulty foundation. All right. Let me close. I, I asked Troy to sing a song this morning. Come on, worship team. See, this is what, everybody's always like, when do we go? When do you go? When do you clear? We got, they're going to try to sneak up here. Just come on up. <laughs> you can even come up through the front. I don't care. <laughs> Listen to me. I was playing music this morning. I was just going over stuff. And this older song, I mean, today, with today's era, five years ago is an old song. It's like, goodness gracious. This song probably isn't even that old. Oh, shut up. <laughs> but I heard this song this morning. I was playing. And I text Troy and said, you know that song? Yeah, I said, I'm going to play it today. I want you to hear the words of this song. I want you to sing this song. And in a few moments, we're going to put, set the tables out. Have, we're going to share. I want you to stick around, okay? We're, we're having food for you because we appreciate you and how you appreciated us. And we're going to have food here. And this will be, there's going to be two lines of food, one up here, one back there. And then what you do, give them a few minutes. And then you make your way down there, and the lines will go this direction. Everybody got it? If not, there'll be some women back there to tell you what to do. Because <laughs> there's not a man back there who knows what's going on. But listen to this song starts off with you dance over me you dance over me it talks about the amazing love of God are you blown away by his love I get blown away by his love just blown away come on stand up with me let's sing this song for a minute or two come on and they'll, they'll do some preparing while we sing this song but let, let's just sing this Troy lead, lead us in it Let this permeate your heart. Make it a declaration of your heart this morning. Come on, Troy.